Section 8 of Best Dog Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 8 The Pursuit by Samuel A. Deru Cyclone Bill Simmons, burly, hard, and crimson of face, turned an overheated runabout out of the blazing highway and into a grove of oaks, where stood the convict camp. All right, he said. Get out. Tom Abercrombie, face drawn, hands manacled, clambered out of the car. He was a man of sixty or thereabout, long, lank, wiry, with a white patriarchal beard and white beetling brows. His cheap suit of black and his black slouch hat were covered with dust. That way, ordered Simmons. As if he did not hear, the old man glanced about him at the long weather-stained tent open at both ends and at the sides and showing within two rows of untidy bunks at the smaller tents that formed a hollow square at the shed for mules deeper within the grove at the small group of negro convicts cooks and trustees who from near the big tent stared curiously at him this way repeated simmons harshly the lean cheeks flushed the old man looked quickly at simmons who during the twenty-mile drive from the county seat had not spoken a word to him. Then, head bowed, he followed the man towards one of the smaller tents. It was plainly the guard tent. It stood at the entrance to the camp, where a path turned in from the road. In front, under the shade of an oak, were two or three splint-bottomed chairs, and chained to the oak by a staple driven into the trunk, drowsing in the heat of the summer mid-afternoon, lay a bloodhound. He had barely looked up when the car drove in. His heavy black body with its tan belly and legs was completely relaxed, and he was panting slightly. His head, which he held up as with an effort, was massive, leonine, rugged, with chops and dewlaps that hung loosely down, giving the impression of a detached and judicial attitude towards life. His expression was grave, thoughtful, melancholy, as if his ancestors, pondering through the centuries on the frailty of humanity as they saw it, had set their indelible stamp of gloom and sorrow on his face. Toward the end, the burly guard and the tall-bearded prisoner made their way. There are men to whom no dog can be insensible, men with a secret quality of magnetism of understanding which makes any dog, at their approach, look up. When Simmons passed, the great hound did not stir, but when Tom Abercrombie came opposite him, he lifted his muzzle, grizzled with age, and his melancholy, amber-colored eyes met the man's. The old man stopped. It was as if he had found, in all this strangeness, a friend. He spoke before he thought, half under his breath. Old whiskers, he said gently. Old gray whiskers. Simmons turned in a flash, his face suddenly more crimson than ever, his eyes blazing. What did you say to that dog, he yelled? The old man looked at him steadily, but did not reply. Now here, the guard's voice rang out in the grove. I know you, Abercrombie, and I know your game, you bloody, long-whiskered, knife-toting throat-cutter. You're trying to make friends with that dog. He went to a nearby bush, got out his knife, and cut a heavy switch. Take this, he commanded. Oh, you can catch hold of it. Catch it with both hands. Never mind the bracelets. Take it. Hit that dog. Hit him. The dreamlike state in which the old man had been wandering dissolved. 
his eyes narrowed to mere slits behind the beetling brows the cold steel of the mountaineer the mountaineer who weighs his words was in the slow drawled reply while well, now i reckon i won't a moment they faced each other simmons eyes murderous some fear of an investigation if he struck the old man something daunting too that he saw in the mountaineer's eyes restrained him abercrombie he said and moistened his lips with his tongue i brought out in that car three boxes of shotgun shells buckshot extra heavy loaded get me such was the initiation of old tom abercrombie as a convict that afternoon he was entered on the books as a dangerous prisoner that night he lay on an iron cot staring up at the roof of a solitary tent which according to law had to be provided for him on his ankles were locked two steel anklets connected by a chain eighteen inches long this chain in turn was locked to the cot shame lay with him as he stared upward shame and a terrible loneliness and dread of the future at sunset he had watched a long line of shackled negroes followed by guards with shotguns file into camp tomorrow he himself would be one of that gang and not only tomorrow but for two years assault and battery with intent to kill this was the verdict and yet he hadn't intended to kill anybody he had only meant to remonstrate three young fellows sitting at a table in a cheap ice-cream parlor it had seemed a crystal palace to the old man and to molly his wife fresh from the deepest recesses of the mountain had made fun of molly and her sunbonnet when they did that the mirrors that lined the walls the enameled top tables the sunlit street showing through wide open doors had all turned red before his eyes he had risen from his chair and gone toward the sea of the scornful you fellers he had warned in a low voice you fellers don't want to say anything like that again they had looked at him in sullen astonishment then they had sprung to their feet according to the testimony they gave in court he had confronted one of them an open knife hidden up his sleeve this was not true and he denied it stoutly on the stand as a matter of fact he had not thought of his knife until the three young bruisers habitues of the place and of the questionable pool-room in the rear rushed him altogether and a dirty aproned waiter coming up from behind hit him a crack that jarred his skull then he had sprung back and drawn his knife the wounds he inflicted were not serious he had simply held his assailants off but the policeman who ran in followed by a crowd found the knife in his hand the testimony was against him besides he did not make a good witness no man does who holds something back and what old tom held back was the remark the young men had made on that point his lips were stubbornly sealed he did not even tell his lawyer as for molly she had not heard poor girl she was a bit deaf her sunbonnet came down close over her ears and she had been eating her ice-cream oblivious he did not want her to know ever he did not want the court to hear what's more he did not mean that it should hear the courts of justice like the mills of the gods ought to grind slow and grind exceeding small sifting carefully the evidence examining deeply into the character and motives of accuser and accused but the gods have eternity at their disposal and their mills are run by unerring self-administering laws while the courts are sometimes harassed with a heavy docket that must be got through with and the laws are made and administered by erring mortals when they are overcrowded there is inevitably now and then a victim 
hence old tom abercrombie chained to a cot staring up at the roof of a tent oppressed with a terrible loneliness thinking of a long double cabin in a mountain-girded valley far over the tennessee line where he and molly had lived forty years of the cornfields in a creek bottom of children and grandchildren of widely scattered neighbors and friends next day he was put to driving four mules hitched to a road scraper chains clanking he had to climb as best he could into the iron seat the humiliation of striped clothes he was spared that barbarity had been done away with by law he wore his black trousers a blue shirt and his broad-brimmed hat once on the seat no one passing along the road could see his shackles but as if they were heated red-hot the symbols of shame burned into his flesh in the road ahead and in the road behind negro pickers and shovelers toiled away watched over by guards with shotguns he saw the eyes of these guards turned constantly toward him you want to watch that old devil simmons had warned them he's dangerous the days that followed were all alike days of toil that began before sunrise continued through blazing middays and ended after sundown always before and behind the gang picked and shoveled always the eyes of the guards were turning toward him always against the horizon the mountains flecked at midday with clouds and shadows beckoned him like a mirage sometimes from the top of a hill under his broad hat he studied the lay of the land in his mind he mapped out the watercourses and the stretches of woodland that led with least open country to the mountains sometimes at night he dreamed of a double cabin in a cool mountain-girded valley you want to watch him warned simmons again and again once molly came to see him simmons himself at the guard tent questioned her roughly then shrugged his shoulders and let her pass throughout the interview though he sat over there by the guard tent his eyes always on the two of them and at his side but never looking up at him they sheriff the bloodhound panting she told him how hard she had tried to get him off how hard his friends had tried they had been to see the solicitor the sheriff and finally the governor himself they were all nice to me tom she declared but they say they can't do nothing the governor talked to me a long time in his office he asked about all of us where we lived how many children we had how it all happened but he says he was elected to see the laws carried out and can't interfere here's what folks say though she whispered quickly if you got away over into tennessee the law wouldn't follow you the newspaper folks tell me that the sheriff as good as told me the governor wouldn't requisition you they say he wouldn't either tom i know he wouldn't then her eyes widened with horror oh i wasn't going to tell you that she gasped don't try to get away that man over yonder he'll kill you tom folks say he would said he had killed too i know he will since i've seen him he's awful awful she went on protesting in terror that he would try to do the very thing she had suggested she told him about the bloodhound the newspaper men said he never lost a trail that nobody who stayed on the ground had ever got away from him they know everything these newspaper men she went on they advised me right tom two years ain't long we waited longer than that to get married remember tom we ain't old yet poor old gal said tom it was the sight of a dilapidated and deserted blacksmith shop near the road they were widening 
and of some rusted fragments of tools scattered about here and there which caused old tom as the road scraper passed and repassed the spot to look very closely down into the upturned dirt and it was the glimpse of something in that dirt that caused him suddenly to rein up the four mules and glance quickly in the direction of the two guards it was an afternoon of terrific heat following a prolonged drought in the road ahead the gang of negro convicts toiled silently sluggishly in the blinding glare simmons had driven off in the direction of the city an hour before the two remaining guards with shotguns under their arms stood in the scant shade of two dust-covered trees jake said the old mountaineer calmly to the negro on the machine behind him the negro who handled the levers jake there's a bolt loose somewhere on the scrape reckon i better tend to it myself without any apparent hurry he clambered down from the seat quickly secretly he picked out of the upturned earth an object which he thrust into his shirt deliberately as if encountering obstacles which caused him trouble he hammered away at the supposed loose bolt when at last he clambered back into the iron seat heated like the top of a stove there was a slight flush on his lean cheeks and a brightness as of triumph in his deep-set eyes on the way back to camp a country store stood beside the road here he asked permission of one of the guards they were not all like simmons to go in and buy himself some tobacco the guard who went in with him saw nothing suspicious in the fact that along with the tobacco the old man purchased also a package of chewing gum that night he did not sleep by raising up on his elbows in his cot he could see in a chair tilted back against an oak tree the night guard with a gun across his knees and farther on in front of the guard tent the outline of the bloodhound asleep once when he thought the guard nodded he reached in his shirt he got out the objects he had picked up in the road and rubbed it against his shackles the rasp of file on steel sounded loud in his tent like an alarm he thought he saw the guard stir and the bloodhound lift his head he lay silently down later he punched a hole in the mattress and stuck a file deep into the straw next day he thought of molly and home as he sat on the road scraper the mountains purple and lofty against the sky seemed now to be beckoning him he was satisfied of that from what molly had told him he bided his time until one stormy night when wind and rain drove the bloodhound within the shelter of the guard tent and thrashing through the branches of the oaks and flapping the canvas of the big tent drowned out to all ears but his own the rasp of a file on steel next day the continued rain made road work impossible and as he hobbled back and forth to feed the mules chewing gum hid two triangular cuts in his shackles again that night storm and rain drowned out the sound that came from the tent where he sat hunched forward on his cot sawing patiently and methodically away hours before dawn he slipped out of the rear of his tent and walked quickly toward the mule sheds where he stood listening then hat pulled down low he hurried through the grove across a field and made for the black rim of the surrounding forest he could not have picked a better night had choice been given him the rain falling steadily was washing his trail it was the season of full moon and in spite of storm clouds the night was dimly luminous he struck straight for the bottoms and the creek whose swollen turbulence sounded above the rain he plunged into the water which at the deepest places came no higher than his waist and partly by feeling partly by sight now and then stumbling over boulders 
now and then having to push aside thick underbrush he made his way for something like two miles upstream carefully he chose the spot where he left the creek his eyes grown accustomed to the night picked out a tree that grew out of the ground at a distance from the bank then bent over it he caught hold of the branches swung himself up felt his way like an opossum along the trunk swung to another tree and did not touch ground until he was some hundred feet from the shore an indistinct dripping dawn that showed low driving clouds found him wet to the skin like an old fox who has run all night but confident like one who has covered up all trace of a trail making his steady way with long mountaineer's strides across tangled bottoms into stretches of woodland over hills that grew ever steeper and higher through undergrowth that grew ever denser his face was very serious but not anxious his nerve was too cool his courage too steady for him to feel any impulse to run his lifelong experience as a hunter who travels far had taught him to save his energy as the light of the gray day grew stronger he distinguished at no great distance ahead it seemed the outlines of misty mountains he recognized the gap where the highway crossed this first ridge into the recesses of the big smoky mountain beyond the tennessee line on the night after tomorrow he calculated he would tramp up on his porch and molly would open the door for him now and then as twilight advanced he stopped and listened one of the guards more kindly disposed than simmons and the other guard had during the hour of lunch one day told him something about the bloodhound sheriff the dog he said was not a full-bred bloodhound his grandfather was a foxhound consequently he ran a man freely as a hound runs a fox barking on the trail he was hard to hold in the guard had gone on to say so hard that simmons never tried to run him to the leash but turned him loose to find the track himself then simmons followed as fast as he could no trouble to follow him you never heard such a voice as he's got in your life the guard had added with a grin he usually puts a man up a tree inside two hours and keeps him there till simmons comes up no danger of the man coming down either not with that dog at the bottom of the tree and so remembering these things old tom stopped now and then to listen no sound but the steady dripping of rain from trees no sound of pursuit miles lay between him and the camp and still the rain was washing his trail it was on top of a treeless hill that commanded the sights and sounds of the country for miles about that he stopped once more to listen and his white hair stirred on his head just as the hair of the old fox who has run all night might rise on his back from far behind through the enveloping mists and over intervening hills so far that at first he could not be sure had come the bay of a solitary hound trailing he stood transfixed his patriarchal beard dripping many a creature fox and wolf and man himself has through the centuries trembled at that sound there was a silence during which he collected his wits momentarily upset then again faint and far away like the ringing of a distant bell came the sound miles between where he swung himself out of the creek and where he now stood the hound was coming on his trail tom turned like a stag brushed aside the bushes and began for the first time to run at the top of the next hill not having heard it while he crashed through the undergrowth of the bottom he stopped again panting though still far away and faint it was unmistakable now 
and there was in the sound a note of melancholy triumph and joy the shrewdness of all hunted animals took hold now of the old man's nature he ran half a mile then turned and doubled his track at a stony spot where a trail does not remain long at best and stopped swung his arms and jumped as far as he could to the right for a quarter of a mile he continued trotting at right angles to the original trail then he turned once more toward the mountain he could hear it most of the time now even when he ran occasionally as the dog crossed a bottom evidently it was almost inaudible and seemed far away then as he reached a highland it became clearer and surer more resonant and closer than ever and now from back there farther away than the dog came a sound that for a moment chilled his blood the wild faint yell of a man urging the hound on unreasoning rage stirred within the old man flushed his face with hot blood made his eyes blaze who was he to run away from any man then quickly rage cooled and calculation took its place he must throw the hound off his trail he backtracked once more he turned at right angles to his original trail he continued for an eighth of a mile then turned back on his second track he crossed the original trail at the point where he had left it and kept straight on forming the letter t once more on the short arm of the t he turned at right angles this time toward the camp itself and retracing his steps formed another t thus he made an intricate pattern of trails comparable somewhat to the visible marks made by a fancy skater the hound finding tracks running apparently in every direction would grow bewildered he would circle of course but the circles themselves would lead him off on tracks that turned back on themselves as an additional puzzle wherever the old man doubled he put his arms about a tree and remained his body pressed against the trunk a moment as if he had climbed it his whiskers will be wider than they are now he grinned before ever he works all that out two miles farther on breathing hard he sat down on a log for he must have some rest he knew when the oncoming hound who had worked out the first and simpler puzzle struck the second and intricate one first death-like silence the hound had come to the end of the trail probably he was whiffing the trunks of the trees round about looking up eagerly into them as if he had been in one of those trees himself tom could see it all so well did he know the way of a hound still silence the dog would be circling now following an eager bay as he struck one of the misleading trails he thought he was off then silence again and after a moment the long-drawn howl of a hound frankly perplexed and the fierce angry yell of a man far behind with fingers that trembled because of the chase he had run tom reached in his pocket and got out a cob pipe this he filled with tobacco and fumbling in an upper pocket of his shirt found some matches for ten minutes he sat on that fallen pine smoking and listening to the unseen drama in the bottoms over there beyond the hill his hopes ever rising and with these hopes a gratifying sense of achievement and triumph once or twice the dog bayed uncertainly once or twice the man yelled it seemed to him with lessened confidence once it sounded as if the hound had sat down on his haunches raised his muzzle on high and poured out to heaven his perplexity tom had seen them do that then another silence as if the chase had died out still tom sat listening in his exultation he had forgotten for the time home and molly and the horrors he had left suddenly he rose and his face was drawn and white he turned and began to run 
but even as he did so he knew that it was all over between him and the farthest outskirts of the pattern he had worked out had come one long-drawn triumphant bay after another the veteran wiser by far than any dog tom had ever known in all his knowledge of dogs had worked the puzzle out had run in ever greater circles keeping his head knowing that somewhere cutting the circumference of a greater circle he would find the true and straight trail and he was coming coming fast he could not be more than a mile behind he must be at the top of the hill where tom had enjoyed his brief triumph he must be smelling the very log on which tom had sat he had left the log the sound burst on the old fugitive now almost like a chorus menacing terrible inexorable as fate all the hills all the valleys were echoing as if a whole pack were running how much worse than feudal had been his tricks they had only halted the great bloodhound long enough for men and shotguns to come up from now on he kept straight forward sometimes walking sometimes trotting and sometimes breaking into a run now and then he stumbled with weariness once he fell face downward anybody but a fighter would have taken to a tree like an opossum run at last to shelter out of breath he came at length to the top of a ridge and through an opening in the trees looked across a wooded valley beyond which rose the lofty undulations of the tennessee mountains the clouds had been growing thin and now the sun burst through and flooded those mountains with light they ain't a-goin to take me said the old mountaineer not alive not even the fox waits for hounds to seize him but his race over turns at bay and dies with his face to his enemies and now in the woods of the extensive bottoms that lay between the ridge and the mountains old tom abercrombie his race over stopped and turned his face toward his pursuers and as he did so all fear left him his mind became as clear as the sparkling sunlight about him he was no longer a fleeing animal matching wits with a pursuing one he was a man standing upright looking oncoming fate in the face old tom did not think of it this way and yet perhaps because of some sense of the fitness of things he took off his hat and dropped it beside him near at hand a giant sycamore dead and leafless rose loftily above the smaller growth into the sky beside this tree he stood his white hair and beard dishevelled and glistening in the sun his eyes that had shown a momentary despair when he sprang up from the log steady fierce undismayed if the hound attacked him he would fight fight with his hands for he had no other weapon if the hound merely bade him he would wait until the guards came up their commands he would disregard he would not even throw up his hands he knew what the result would be he had no illusions about that simmons would kill him he did think of molly he saw her all her life tramping back and forth from the spring to the house solitary and lonely he saw the cornfield in the bottom where he had ploughed so many things he saw the faces of children and grandchildren one by one these things made him choke but they had no effect upon his mind that was made up life is good but it is not worth something all these impressions ran through his mind swiftly independent of the element of time as a matter of fact there was not sufficient interval for connected thought ahead of him was an open place in the woods a place strewn with flinty stones and arrowheads with now and then a black and rounded boulder 
rolled there by glaciers that had once moved over the face of the earth this open spot made barren by forces older than man himself he had crossed in one last effort to make his trail difficult for the hound his eyes were fastened on it now the sun hot and brilliant since the passing of the storm blazed down upon it on the other side the forest grew dense and high like a wall of green and now out of this forest into the ancient opening came the hound tom had never felt any grudge against the dog he was only obeying a law of his nature only running a trail fascinated he watched the animal oblivious for the moment of the significance of his presence he had been running fast in the forest but now on this flinty and difficult ground he slackened his pace and came on slowly like a patient methodical fellow who makes sure he's right as he goes along his nose almost touching the ground never left the trail in crossing the opening the old man's foot had turned on a stone he had staggered and placed his hand against one of the black boulders for support and now when the hound came to this spot he stopped he lifted his head and whiffed the rock the man had touched with his hand next he reached up on the boulder and looked at its top then he came on nose low once more pendulous ears actually dragging on the ground tail erect and now and then wagging stiffly as with joy while tom still watched him he raised his muzzle and there came from his throat a deep musical bell-like challenge that echoed loudly in the opening itself and more airily and sweet between the ridge and the mountains beyond in answer from a mile behind so tom calculated came a far more terrible sound the wild savage yells of two men one wilder and more savage than the other the old man took a deep breath and his beard was thrust suddenly forward but for the dog those men would be helpless but for the dog he could turn now and the woods would swallow him up in a flash an inspiration was born a conquering purpose such as must have entered the mind of prehistoric man he waited his eyes on the hound a dog is near-sighted at best and sheriff was old when he was a short two hundred feet from the tree there came to his nose the smell not of a trail itself but of the man who made the trail he stopped and lifted his head a moment he stared then he raised his grizzled muzzle to the sky and poured out to the high heaven the announcement that here in the woods at the end of the trail standing beside a tree was a man then he started back amazed for this man instead of climbing the tree as all men did when he bade them was coming straight toward him his hand was outstretched his eyes were blazing and there was a smile on his face old whiskers he was saying hush now hush hush the man had stooped down his hand still extended come here he commanded the great hound began to tremble those terrible eyes were looking deep into his they were commanding him they were pleading too he had seen them before back there in the camp and he had not forgotten he heard behind him another yell he tried to look back but the eyes held him no the man cried sternly then old boy old whiskers he began to pant the bay he would have uttered died in his throat another yell and another still he did not reply his tail was tucked now he was looking at the man wonderingly beseechingly his universe was changing was centering in that man before him that man who understood again the yells and now beyond the opening behind the faint crash of running footsteps 
His hair rose on his back with rage. His world had turned about. Those were his enemies coming. All the loyalty of his dog's soul had gone out to this man who understood. All his hatred to those who never had. He started to turn about. He would meet them in the opening. He would rush at them. No, cried the man who understood. When he looked at Tom once more, the miracle of ages past had been repeated. The man saw in the eyes of the dog trust, humility, undying devotion. His voice trembled for the first time. Old whiskers, he said gently. Old gray whiskers, quick now. The pursuing guards never knew why the woods ahead of them suddenly grew silent, why the tree bay of the bloodhound that had sounded once clear and unmistakable sounded no more, though as they ran they filled the morning with their yells. They did not see the great hound go trembling to the man. They did not see the old man for just a second catch the massive head between his hands. They did not see the two turn and disappear, swiftly, silently into the undergrowth that grew densely behind the open space and the giant sycamore tree. When all out of breath, they reached the spot from whence had proceeded the solitary tree bay. They looked about at vacant woods. Frantically, they searched the undergrowth, shotguns ready, calling to each other in their excitement. Man and dog had vanished as if they had never been. The Simmons did not believe in miracles. The old devil killed the dog, he cried. He had a knife about him. But where's the blood, and where's the body? They hurried here and there as they glimpsed red spots, only to find a leaf killed by the sun and fallen before season, or a bush reddened by berries. We miscalculated the spot, swore Simmons. It wasn't here it happened. And he sat down out of breath and leaned his burly back against the trunk of a giant sycamore tree. The sun was dropping over the mountains when the two guards, empty-handed, got back to camp. The valleys lay in shadow, but far up in the enormous folds of the Tennessee mountains, its last crimson rays shone on a bearded old man trudging along a narrow road toward the west. He looked weary and footsore, and his clothes were torn by briars, but his face was alight, as if with anticipation of tomorrow. Now and then he spoke, and behind him a great, strange-looking, long-eared hound lifted his head, as if drinking in the sound of his voice. End of section 8